Welcome to Sporting Classics TV Podcast, powered by the Ram 1500, built for a world that demands more. All right, welcome to another Sporting Classics TV Podcast. Kevin here with Chris Dorsey. Hello, hello. Good friend, host of the show, boss, but that'll put that <laughs> at the top of the list. Team member, just there a team you member. go. Well, Chris, uh, you know, one thing I know you always try to do, almost an annual pilgrimage for you, is to head north to try to catch the start of the waterfowl migration. This week's episode's up in Alberta with Ranchland Outfitters. You were up there with your brother Joe, and looks like Rob Reynolds put on a hell of a show. Yeah, you know, we, we caught it just right, but I, I don't think that was a, an accident. I don't think it was a coincidence. I think Rob knows exactly what he's doing. And I've spent a lot of time in Canada, once upon a time, working for Ducks Unlimited for about a decade. I spent a lot of time in Alberta and Saskatchewan, Manitoba, throughout the, uh, the Dakotas as well, hunting waterfowl. So I got to see a lot of outfitters, a lot of guides, and how they operate, how they, how they process competition, you know, how they position themselves to succeed with, with their guiding business. And I gotta tell you, Rob was really one of the best I've ever seen. I, I think from, from the areas that he had, he had terrific areas full of birds, knew exactly where the roosts were. There was no washout, no blowout, no, oh, I don't know what happened, the birds didn't, didn't make it this morning. Um, and he, he had fantastic callers. He's got a team of guides that are just really, really excellent callers. I mean, it's, you get them going and you swear to God, there's a, a flock of geese you know, next to you in the, just outside the blind. So I, I think that in combination with great decoys, great layout spreads, uh, just really, really worked well and having so many birds around, um, you know, it was kind of a no-brainer that they were going to be coming in. Now, having said that, the very first morning, we made a bit of a drive and, and he's connected to a bunch, of, a bunch of ranchers up there, farmers, and of course, you know, they still had peas in the field and barley and wheat. And so when they have birds move into their fields, they call Rob and say, look, we got a problem here. We want these geese out of here. I haven't picked that field yet. I haven't har harvested those peas yet. So could you come out and, and what, a, what a tough problem to have, you know? <laughs> Who are you gonna call, right? So uh, anyway, the first morning we show up and it's a standing pea field. I'd never shot birds in a standing pea field yet, but the farmer was so adamant that we get these geese out of there that he allowed us to walk through his his field and knocked down some of his peas just for the greater good of, of getting rid of those birds before he could get out there, uh, you know, so he could get out there and harvest what was left. And, and so we set up, it's one of those things early in the morning, normally the birds show up pretty early, ducks will come in first, very first faint light, nothing, just quiet, nothing showing up. I'm like, oh, maybe there's no ducks around. Well, you know, in 45 minutes we should have a bunch of geese coming in. Well, 45 minutes comes and goes and there's no geese. <laughs> so you get up at four o'clock in the morning and make the drive out there, get all the decoys set up, get the blinds positioned, and there's no birds. So I'm kind of laying down and I'm in my layout blind and I'm starting to take a nap. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get something out of this. I'm gonna have a nap if nothing else. And about the time I doze off, start dozing off, I hear the faint calls of geese. Suddenly, you know, the guides are calling and boom, the skies are lit up. and. and every damn goose in that territory was beelining for our decoy spread. It's one of those, yeah, I think we made the right call here. Every time you take a nap, the animals come. Yeah, you know, it's amazing how that works. And it, as long as I don't call, then they'll come <laughs> all the way in, you know. It's, it's that Nash Buckingham line about, uh, 
the greatest conservation tool ever devised was a duck call, something like that, anyway. Well, I, I can always tell uh, my side of these stories. Uh, when the outfitter's dialed in, if he doesn't want our map to be too accurate, he doesn't want anyone to know where he's at because he has it figured out, he has a honey hole, just say we're somewhere in Alberta. Yeah, either he doesn't want to reveal that or he's doing something illegal. You never quite know, but it's <laughs> you don't ask too many questions, right? No, Rob was, Rob was buttoned up. Uh, yeah, no, Rob, uh, his operation was as good as I've seen anywhere in Alberta. And I told him as, at the time, I said, look, I think you are, you are in the top two of, of outfits I've ever experienced in Canada for waterfowl. And, uh, you know, the other one being in, in uh, Saskatchewan. And, and uh, so anyway, did a, a, a tremendous job. And he's a super fun guy, very pleasant guy. He's, he's funny, witty, uh, completely accommodating. And I took my brother Joe up, who you know has just retired from the, the Foreign Service, spent a lot of time in foreign lands. Obviously, we grew up together. He got me into hunting. And uh, he had never taken uh, a white-fronted goose, for instance. He's done goose hunting you know, across uh, the US, uh, but never up there. And, and so it was great to see him kind of really enjoy the best of Alberta. You see the clouds of, of, of ducks and geese coming in and a mixture of, of geese, Canada's and white fronts, speckle bellies, uh, some snows, some Ross's geese. So you get to see kind of the full menu of, of the, the waterfall experience up there. And it's the top of the flyway. These are birds that have not been heavily shot at. Um, so you're, you're getting a chance to kind of see the beginning of, of this long migration before the birds get too savvy. You know, you and Joe have so much fun hunting together. It comes across on screen, and there's not a lot of acting going on there. I mean, there's brotherly love, a little camaraderie, uh, a little bit of leaning into someone else's shot. You know, the one thing about Joe is is he could shoot. I mean, he's he's a he's always been a damn good shot with a rifle and a shotgun. I think it I think it stems from growing up poor and needing to make every shot count so we'd have food to put on the table. But whatever it is, I mean, he's he's you know he's honed his skills over the years. But I, you know, I had some doubt about, you know, he hadn't he hasn't done quite as much shooting and, and hunting as he as he did years and years ago uh, when he got into the foreign service. There wasn't quite as much opportunity, although he found places to go hunt all over the world, no matter where he was, but not quite to the same extent that he used to. So anyway, he he hasn't lost his edge. He could shoot, so it was fun to get him in a blind. And and uh, I remember one one specific situation we had a. I think it was a white-fronted goose coming in, and, and Rob said, Joe, that's your bird. And, and I think there's six or seven guys in the blind, hunters and, and other guides, and a couple of cameramen locked in on this bird. No pressure, Joe, it's all yours. And uh, you know, and he just stands up and just poleaxes this bird at you know, 45 yards, something like that. Clean kill, and, and that's one thing people don't realize when you're, when you're doing this on camera, you know, you, you also have in the back of your mind that there's a lot of people watching. It's not just, you know, three guys, five guys, whatever, in a blind. And uh, so there's a little bit of pressure there if you haven't done a lot of this kind of stuff. And he was oblivious to it and just got up there and made a great job. And yeah, Joe's funny. He's commented a few times. He's, he's not worried about the cameraman or his brother. It's the editor you got to worry about. <laughs> That's right. Paying, paying hush money in outdoor television is a real business. <laughs> you know, you're a passionate waterfowler. You always have been. You've written books on the subject, and you certainly fired plenty of, of shotguns and, and shells out there. Uh, the Winchester blindside ammo. Uh, what are your thoughts on it in the performance and versus a? Isn't that a great name? No, I mean, just uh, there is not a better ammo name 
than blindside for a waterfall load. I mean, I don't, I don't know who came up with it, but it's a great name and it's super effective stuff. I, I've said this on camera many times and yes, we're, we're paid to say good things about it, but at the end of the day, they wouldn't have to pay me to say good things about blindside ammo because it's great ammo. And uh, you know, it's just so effective and, and it's fun to shoot stuff that really works well. You know, the last thing you wanna see, you know, is a bird get winged or, or sail off and and uh, you know if you remember the early days of, of steel shot I mean way way back when it was just being introduced and they hadn't quite figured out some of the loads and, and how to do that the new stuff is just so much more effective than, than that so it as a hunter it's just much more satisfying I think it's a conservation tool you owe it to the bird to use the most effective ammo you you can and, uh, and it's incredibly good stuff and you put it into a Super X, you know, Winchester autoloader, it's a pretty good combination. Yeah, you know, what I saw, uh, and this wasn't a, a paid plug from a sponsor, I was working on a non-sponsored show with Johnny Joey Jones doing a waterfowl hunt in Nebraska. Fox Nation Outdoors, yeah. And with Randy Couture, that was a, that was a real fun shoot, and Steve Ferris, who's yeah. a wild man and certainly loves the birds. Yeah. Well, Joey brought his own shotgun. And it's not sponsored, I'd let him shoot what he wants to shoot. I brought a Winchester SX4 just to see if he wanted to give it a try. And he wished he had it. Once he made the switch, yeah. he said, I'm yeah. using this for the rest of the shoot. Yeah, and it's... He didn't it, have to endorse it, but he wanted to keep shooting that one. Yeah, well, and, and again, once once you use a gun like that and you have success, you don't want to let it go. I mean, you, you know, you want to... It's like what I do with a Ram truck. When I take a Ram truck around the country on shoots, is I, I sit in the passenger side and I give the keys to the to the guide outfit or whomever guest say you drive it you know and, and by the end of the trip it's like I, I need one of these I, yeah. I gotta have one of these things it's the same thing with a, a you know Winchester loads and Winchester autoloader I mean once once you shoot them they just do they do great things out there and you enjoy the experience that much more what's that worth to you well. It was a fun show to watch. I know how much you love waterfowl hunting. I have a hunch you'll be back there again and again. Lord willing. Lord willing. Well, thanks, Chris. Thanks for tuning in this week. This has been Sporting Classics TV Podcast, powered by the Ram 1500, built for a world that demands more. Follow Sporting Classics with Chris Dorsey on Instagram and Facebook at Sporting Classics TV.